Well, if you have uh, your Bibles, please open them to Matthew chapter 7. This morning we're going to come to the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. I was going to try to finish it up today, but, you know, as you start writing sermons, they, they get longer and longer. So it's going to be two sermons instead of one. And, and over these many months, we, we have seen Jesus show us two things in his sermon. Two things. First, he has, he has been showing us how to live a kingdom lifestyle. And secondly, he has been showing us that we cannot live this kingdom lifestyle in our own strength. He's been doing both of those things. And as I said before, you, you cannot read this Sermon on the Mount and, and not feel undone when you read it. Feel a little dirty, like you don't measure up. That's one of the things he wants to show you, that you can't do it. You've got to have a source outside yourself to do that. And there are two responses. I believe that we should have when it comes to this Sermon on the Mount, and, and that's one of repentance and faith. That should be our response. Not a to-do list, but Lord, I fail. Now empower me to live how I need to live. I'm trusting you to do it. We concluded last week's sermon by saying that Jesus did not want us to live in unrepentant worry, but he wanted us to live by faith. By faith. He began to show us the way of faith in the words of, of Matthew 6.33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Notice I said he began to show us the way of faith because he has more to say. And he continues to show us the way of faith, putting a little more flesh on it in Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to begin looking at verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jump to verse 21. Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your names, and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a white. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them would be a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it did not fall, because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and that great was the fall. Please pray with me. Father, these are your words, and sometimes your words are hard to receive because they offend us, but nonetheless, it's your truth. It's not one man's opinion, but it's God, the very word of God, spoken from the mouth of God, and we treat it as such. 
And we need your Holy Spirit to come to preach through me, to take these words and apply it to the hearts of your people. Because we're all in different places, dealing with different things, different struggles. But one thing is certain, one thing we all have in common is that we all need Jesus this morning. Not less of him, but more of him in every area of our life. And we call upon your spirit to move in us in a mighty, mighty way. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The way of faith. I'm using the way of faith to refer to saving faith in Jesus. So I'm calling it the way of faith. And if you're going to live by the way of faith, then you're going to need to know that this way of faith is first exclusively embraced. That's what verses 13 and 14 is talking about. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard at least to life. And those who find it are few. What do I mean when I say the way of faith is to be exclusively embraced? Jesus tells us here. Enter by the narrow gate. That is an exhortation to enter by, a gate that is rest- enter by a gate that is restricted and tight and exclusive, as opposed to entering in by another gate. Enter through the narrow gate. Why? Why, Jesus? Because the gate and the road that leads to destruction are wide and easy. But the one that leads to life is narrow and hard. These two gates... These two roles are talking about life choices. Choices that lead to a particular end. The gate is referring to a gateway. You know, when you go through a gate, you, you, you enter into another state or to the other side or enter into something else. A road puts you on a journey to some destination. And here's the thing. These two gates, these two roads don't lead to the same place. But opposite places. First, the wide gate in the easy world leads to destruction. Destruction here is talking about final judgment. that will come when Christ returns. Eternal punishment. And many are on this road and have entered through this gate. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You see that the wide gate, the spacious road, is a way of life to some people. And for those who are on it, it seems right. It seems to be on the right journey, the right gate. But in the end, it leads to death. And those who are on it don't see it, are not even convinced of it. Worldliness, atheism, all other world religions, agnostic. Well, what does that mean, Alex? It's a person who claims to be neutral. A person who claims to have neither faith nor disbelief in God. Being a good person. I'm a liberal. I'm a conservative. Whatever you want to fill in the blank. Paths that can't save you. Matthew 16, Jesus says, he asked a question. He asked this question to you as well. 
What will it profit you if you gain the whole world and yet in the end you forfeit your very soul? Think about that. What will it profit you? And in this life, you gain the whole world, the best reputation, the best status, the best life now. And in the very end, you forfeit your very soul. There is no reward. The wide gate is not narrow and restricted. The road is easy and not hard. You know why? Because it's man-centered. That's why. Not Jesus-centered. It's life that that is self-sufficient, self-centered, self-indulgent, independent from God the Father. And in in this life and on that path, people do what is right in their own eyes. They set the standards and the agenda. They are the masters of their own domain. And the reality for those who enter through this gate and travel on this road is that they lose their life in their made-man attempts to find it. They lose it. And all their efforts to find their life, in the end, they lose it. But Jesus says there's a different way. Enter through the narrow gate. The narrow gate. It's narrow, the way is hard, but it leads to life. And those who find it are few. So how can I go out of the wide gate and enter through the narrow gate? You have to exclusively embrace the way of faith in Christ alone, not Jesus and everything else. There is only one way to glory, one way to life, not many ways. Peter says in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which man must be saved. No other name. That's either true or that's a lie. That's black and white. He either telling the truth or that's a lie. Jesus himself says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's either true or he's telling a lie. Exclusively embrace in Christ alone is salvation. He's either telling the truth or he's telling the lie and I need to sit down and find another job. (laughs) Yes, if it's not true. I'm selling you a bill of goods if this is not true. It's true. You see, there are no shortcuts. There is no rerouting. You have to exclusively embrace the way of faith in Christ alone in order to find life. This makes the gate narrow. And they're way hard. And it's this narrowness and restrictedness of Christianity that offends many people. What I just said offends many people. It may, I come off as a bigot. But you know what? The gospel offends everybody. And that ain't ever going to change. The Bible is the very word of God. The very word of God. And you know what? He doesn't apologize for his standards that he sets. He does not apologize for the way he set for us to get to heaven. And it's through his son. And you know what? He doesn't apologize for that. He doesn't. Jesus Christ is the true gate and the true way to glory. No other way. 
Now, this gate and way is also narrow and hard because when you enter through it or on this journey, you don't do as you please. You are under the lordship and kingship of Jesus. In other words, it means you simply die to self. That's what it means. You die when you enter through that gate. You die to self-will, self-sufficiency. Everything you think that makes you right with him, you die to all of that. Jesus says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what it means. When you enter through that gate, you die. When you exclusively embrace the way of faith in Jesus for your salvation, it also means that, that, that he is set in the direction of your life. He becomes your standard. You submit to the will of God for your life, for your decisions, for everything. You submit to the will of God in what you believe. You submit to the will of God in how you live. It's hard and narrow, and yet it's worth it. It's worth it. One Christian says, said, one day, life ends. One day, life is going to end. One day, history is going to end. It's going to end. The, road, the hard road restricts, then it opens to eternal life. The easy road leads to destruction. The easy road makes no demands, but it offers no reward. The hard road makes great demands, but offers great rewards. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the reward that awaits every believer. Every believer. The way of faith is exclusively embraced in Christ alone for salvation. But it is also relational. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never, do, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Just like in the previous verses, these verses are doing the same thing but with a different twist. The focus here is that there are two ways you can approach Jesus or confess Jesus. Two ways. There's a right way and a wrong way. It's black and white. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. With these words, Jesus is speaking directly to those who are inside the church. He's talking to us. The outside world does not acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Now do we acknowledge him as Savior? He's talking to church folk. People who get up every Sunday, go to church, who say they are believers. And he says to these church folk, to us, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, we know we get into heaven through Jesus Christ alone. He's the gate. He's the way that leads to life. But, but what is this will of, of the Father referring to? What is the will of the Father that, that gets a person into heaven? Because right now I'm a little confused. 
The will of the Father here is referring to the way of faith that confesses Jesus the way the Father wants it, you too. There's a particular way the Father wants you to confess Christ. The wrong way is based on performance. A performance base. Those who are inside the church think, when I'm performing well, I'm doing the Father's will in terms of salvation. What do they do? They prophesy in Jesus' name. They cast out demons in Jesus' name. They do mighty works in Jesus' name. I mean, if this is in our time, he'll be saying, well, I preach in Jesus' name. Are you praying in Jesus' name? Are you name it, claim it in Jesus' name? You teaching in Jesus' name. You tithe in Jesus' name. You go to church in Jesus' name. You good works in Jesus' name. You help the least of these in Jesus' name. And here's the point. You can do all those things, all those little things, and then we, then we, then we give that spiritual stamp of approval in Jesus' name. You can do all that and stamp it and still be outside God's will and still not be doing the will of the Father. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? That day is referring to judgment. On that day, many spiritual, religious, good moral church folk are going to say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, look at my record. That's what he's talking about. Look at my record. Look, look, look at what I did in, in your name. Look, look, look how hard I worked for your name. Look, look at how I served these years in your name. Look at what I sacrificed for your name. Look at what I gave up. Look, I went over to be a missionary in your name. Look at what I did. Look at my record, Jesus. And you know what he's going to say to you? I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Well, how offensive is that? And here, he's not even talking to the world. He's talking to the church. Told you it was offensive. It's hard to hear, but it's true. See, it's not what you do in Jesus' name that removes your shame and guilt, but it's knowing him. Do you know him? It's knowing Jesus. That's what he's talking about. The way of faith in Jesus that confesses him rightly is relationally, not performance. It's a relationship based upon what he did for you. Not what you do for him. And what did he do for you? He died for your sins. Not the other way around. You see... He brought everything that was necessary to the salvation table. All you brought was your sin and guilt. That's it. That's it. He brought everything else. All you brought was your sin and guilt. It's on his record, people, that gets a person into glory. Not our record. You know why? Because our record is stained by sin. Even the best of humanity, the best person you know, still falls short of God's glory. Do you believe that? The best person you know, the best father you know, the best parents you know, still fall short of God's glory. Still fall short. 
John 6, 40 says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's the will. In John 6, 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. His will and his work. Faith in Christ. All you need is nothing. But not many people have that. Because we always want something to bring. Especially Americans. We don't want to be needy. Jesus offers you an invitation to know him. To trust him personally. Not just to know certain things about him. Or to look a certain way. But to be in fellowship with him. And the father. Intimacy. The same intimacy I have with my wife, the relationship I have with her, you can have that with the Father. He wants to know you. You know what he told those folks? I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. He wants to know you. Because one of the things that was broken in the fall is that man's relationship with the Father was broken. Christ died to restore that union, that relationship. That fellowship so that man and God can be in perfect relationship again. And it's only through the blood of Christ that can that happen. The way of faith is first, exclusively embraced in Christ. Second, it's relational. And third, it is practical. Verses 24 and 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Two builders, a wise builder, a foolish builder. These builders here are examples of how you can rightly and wrongly express your faith in Christ. Oh, yeah. It has to be expressed, too. I love the way Jesus balanced himself out here. The wise way and the foolish way. And here's the reality. As a believer, true saving faith in Christ would naturally overflow into other areas of your life. You would express it and live it. It happens naturally. It does. The wrong way, the foolish way to express your faith is seen in verses 26 and 27. The foolish way you express your faith is to merely just have an intellectual faith. You hear the word of Jesus. You know the Bible. You know the Sunday school stories. You memorize your catechisms. You even know a little bit of theology. But do you put any of that into practice? Do you even practice what you preach? And Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them. is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Sand is referring to a weak foundation. Referring to the wrong foundation. You see, in, uh, when in dry weather, every building looks strong. Appears strong. But when the storms come, when the hardships come, the house built on the wheat foundation don't stand. 
You see, the reason why it doesn't stand is because this person is really not a believer. That's why. Because what Jesus is saying here, if you, if you truly have faith in me, then you're going to do what I say. That you will. Those who don't show that they really don't know me. Are you building on a sandy foundation? What, 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 what are some things that could be a sandy foundation? Tradition, religious tradition, theology can be, if you think that's what makes you right with Jesus. Knowledge can be, if you think that makes you right, that saves you. The, the, what saves us is the rock. And what flows out of that is me practicing my faith. He is the solid rock, the firm foundation on which we stand. Only those who have true saving faith in Christ will strive to live obedient lives, to put it into practice. That means when you hear his words, you practice it. You, you, his word will be really, really will become the light unto your path. That when you read the scriptures, you will pray the Holy Spirit will apply that to my marriage, to my job, as a father, as an employee. That you're not just listening to it, but, Lord, you want it to infiltrate every area of your soul and life. That's what he's talking about. Living a kingdom lifestyle. Supporting the church in its work. Sharing your faith. Serving the body. Having compassion on the lost. As you grow in knowing him, that empowers you to live for him. That empowers you to live for him. And guess what? When, when the hardships and trials come, because they're going to come against your life, the rain, the wind, the floods, they're going to come. You know what? It's not your strength that keeps your life from falling apart. It's his. Because what? He's the foundation. The foundation. When Jesus is saying, when the, when the tornadoes pass by your house or your life, though you get wounded, you're going to get hurt, but your whole life will not collapse. Because he has you. He has you. And you have to believe that. Because some of you right now are struggling, hurting, don't think God hears you, but guess what? He hears you. He hears you. He knows what you need. Don't forget the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He knows what you need. He knows what you're struggling with. And guess what? As Richard said earlier, he's going to walk alongside you through all of that. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to believe these truths as we go out today. The way of faith is exclusively, exclusively embraced in Christ alone. It's relational and it's practical. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you are awesome God. Awesome God. That Father, you, you did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You sent your son to, to die upon the cross. And Lord, we, we are in this part of the season where we're getting ready to celebrate the resurrection. I can't wait to Easter. Lord, a reminder that, that Christ is no longer in the grave. Lord, 
Yeah, Christians, we, we get criticized for a lot of things, but guess what? Our Savior's not dead. He ain't dead. He rose again. He defeated sin and death. He did what all the other gods could not do. He made us right with the Father through his own life. And right now, he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, looking down upon his church, his beloved, still interceding for us. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord Jesus, we praise you for all that you do. So, Lord, encourage your people. Encourage those who are here who don't know you. I pray that you are speaking to their hearts right now. And your spirit, remove them and bring them into your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.